appreciate you coming this morning. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Mm -hmm. Now, I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down a suggested asking price for the house. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm-hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm-hmm. And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that, that's good to know. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm-hmm, well, let me get our coffee. So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream or sugar if you need oh, it. Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. Welcome to Friends and Family Day and the start of a new series uh, here at the well called Into the War Room. Now, this series, as you kind of heard probably along the way, is based on a movie that recently came out in theaters about two weeks ago called The War Room. Show of hands, how many people have seen the movie? Okay, very good. So not everyone. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, that's okay. Like, it's, you don't need to have seen the movie to benefit from what uh, we're going to talk about here. But, of course, if you do get a chance to see it, is going to be that much more powerful. The movie, in a nutshell, for those who have seen it, as it's set up there um, earlier, is all about the power of prayer, about this great weapon called prayer that when we use it and when we have a plan to use it properly, then it can unleash and do amazing things in our lives. Now, that clip that we just saw, in my opinion, best summarizes the movie. And it's probably the most memorable one for those who did see it, where the lady talks about the hot or the cold, and then she gives her the coffee and point noted. By a show of hands, all right, because let's start interactive right here, just so I know I'm not talking to myself. How many would say that if I did the same experiment with you and I pulled you in and I said, tell me about your prayer life? How many people would say their prayer life is hot? In the sense of, my prayer life is good, my prayer life is on fire, like, I am, like, you know what, I pray too much. 
Like, you know what, Father Anthony, I need to cut back on some of the prayers because I'm burning a hole through the roof with the heat of the, of the prayer in my life. How many people, raise your hand, how many people say their prayer life is too hot? Okay, that's for mathematicians, that's zero, okay? <laughs> zero. Now let me ask a different question. How many people, because we all know the por- importance and power and benefit of prayer, how many people would say that there's areas of their lives where they need prayer? There's areas of their lives, keep them nice, nice and high. Okay, going to do some more math statistics. That's 100%, okay, in case you couldn't tell. All of us say that there's areas in our lives that we need prayer. My marriage needs prayer. My career needs prayer. My, my parents' health needs prayer. My bad habits need prayer. Like, there's no shortage of things in our lives that we say we need prayer for, and we ask others to pray for us about. But then here's the dilemma that the movie did to me. Here's the problem that the movie caused the problem in my head, is that I answered exactly the way you answer those two questions. That I saw what my prayer life is versus what I need, and the two are not matching each other. And I think most of us would share that similar experience. I know about prayer, and you know about prayer, and we know how important it is, and we know how we need to do it, and we tell other people to do it. And we read books about it. We sing songs about it. Like prayer is very, very, very important if you just listened to what I said about it. But then when I look in my own life and I look at the actual prayer that I do, not that I talk about doing, not that I read about doing, not that I think about or intend to do, but that I actually do, there's a mismatch. And that mismatch is the reason why we're doing this series. What I'm not going to do, I may do it slightly, but I won't do it too much, is try to convince you that you need to pray. Because my assumption going into this series is you know you need to pray. That's why you're in church. If you didn't think you need prayer, you got much better places to go and be entertained on a Sunday morning. You're here because you know that you need to pray in life. My assumption is that if you could, just like me, push you know the, the staples, the easy button. Push a button that gives you a magically on fire prayer life. You'd push it. That if you could make prayer somehow easy for you, that you would do it. That you look at people who pray and you know people who pray about everything and it seems like they, have, they like sneak things into God's ear and God like whispers answers to them. You would wish that you could be one of those people. My assumption is you know you need to pray. But my next assumption is that as much as you know you need to, you struggle to actually do. And that's where I find myself in that situation. And I don't think it's that uncommon from the situation you find yourself in. Tell me if I'm alone on this one. It would be easier for me, easier for me to spend, I could spend two hours setting up chairs and fiddling with the sound system over there. And then after church, drive an hour to go uh, visit someone who's sick in a hospital and spend an hour with them and then drive back and then come back and start working on next week's sermon. Easier for me to do six hours of that than to spend 15 minutes in prayer. Easier for me to prepare a sermon about prayer than to pray. Easier for me to read 10 books about prayer than to actually pray. And I don't think it's just me. Here's a very nice quote from a man called E.M. Bounds who wrote many beautiful books about prayer. And there's one particular he called The Weapon of Prayer, which he said the following. He said, in dealing with mankind, 
Nothing is more important to God than prayer. In dealing with mankind, nothing is more important to God than prayer. Prayer is likewise of great importance to people. Failure to pray is failure in all of life. It is only by prayer that God can help himself. Here's the key part of, of what he's trying to say. He who does not pray, therefore, robs himself of God's help and places God where he cannot help people. Here's the dilemma that we find ourselves in to start this series. Why is it that we believe so much about prayer, but we do so little when it comes to actually praying? Why is it that we believe so much, but we do so little? The one who does little when it comes to prayer, as it says right there, is robbing himself of God's help. And we already agreed we need God's help. So here's the question I want to start off. Let, let's, let's brainstorm a little bit here. Why is it that we don't pray? Why is it that we don't pray more? If I asked you, your prayer life, is it hot? Yeah, we all said probably need some work. All of us agree we need some work. So therefore, why is it not being worked on? What's your excuse? What would you say? The lady in the movie said she's busy. Life is busy and she had kids and she had a job and all kind of stuff. And I would say most of us would say we're busy people as well. But that's not a valid excuse. You know why? Because the principle of life is we find time for what we want to find time for. We're busy, but we find time to do the things that we want to do. You found time to go watch the movie. You found time to go check your Facebook again. You find time somehow magically. Men across this country find a lot of time on Sunday afternoons. Somehow magically time appears for them once we have football season. It's not a matter of time. All right. Maybe sometimes we say, you know what? I want to pray, but I'm just too tired. You know what? I'm distracted and, and I want to, but I just don't have the ability to. I say, you know what to that? That ain't valid either. Because you can wake yourself up for what you want to wake yourself up for. And I give you an example. And I just example that, I, that many, if you're a member of this church, you know that this past uh, April, whatever it was, I was invited to go to this White House prayer breakfast thing. And I got to meet the president and I sat at his table. That morning, I had gotten up that morning, probably 4.30. The night before, I slept very late. It was in the middle of our Holy Week services, which is a very tiring time. I was pretty tired. But you know what? I found a way to wake myself up when the president was two seats down. I found a way because we wake ourselves up for what if we think we're meeting someone important, we find a way to wake ourselves up. So don't say I'm tired is not the reason why. Some would say, OK, the reason I don't pray is because I don't think it's effective. I don't see the benefit of it. And I would say there's probably some people in this room who that's a valid, valid thought for them. But I don't think that's the majority. I think that's an excuse that you give yourself and I'll prove it to you because you tell other people to pray. And you think prayer is very effective in the lives of others. And you never tell someone else when they say, I need prayer. You never say, no, 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 that's prayer stuff doesn't work. Just uh, be very stressed out about it. That's more valuable than we're praying about it. You would never say that to someone else. So while you may use that as your excuse for yourself, I don't think that's the reason. I think there is one reason, one central reason why we don't play, that we, that we don't pray, that we are going to address today. And I think this reason is best summarized by a movie clip that we're going to watch right now, not from The War Room, but from another classic from a few years back. It's called Meet the Parents. Y'all remember Meet the Parents? There's a classic scene on prayer in this movie. Let's watch this clip, and then I'll just tell you what we're going to say about it. Greg, would you like to say grace? 
Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace at many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. All right. <laughs> the reason... That's one of my favorite clips of all time. And anytime we're going to do a series on prayer, I'm going to show that clip, just because that's an excuse. The reason why we don't pray is because we are afraid to end up like that guy. <laughs> and that's, if we're honest, that's how oftentimes we feel when we pray. We stand up, to say something, and then we're like, what in the world? And this, if you don't know, he was quoting some, some Beatles song or something like that, like the day by day. And, and, and sometimes we end up standing up and we're saying stuff, and we don't know what we're saying. And then you start to think, am I praying right? Am I praying wrong? Like, is that a legal request? Like, have you ever asked yourself the stuff I'm praying for? Is that even allowed? Like, am I allowed to pray for, like, my car is broken? Am I allowed to pray for that? Am I allowed to pray, like, when I'm shopping that I get a good deal? Like, am I allowed? Like, Football fans, are we allowed to pray for the Redskins? You know, is that like a legal request or is it like, is that wrong to pray for that? Because there's like starving kids in Africa, so you can't pray for like football and shop. And we just get ourselves in a loop and we think we're just supposed to say words like day by day and, and smorgasbord of food. And we find ourselves stepping on ourselves and we feel dumb. So we don't pray. Because we don't know how to pray. We don't have a plan of how to pray. We don't know how it's supposed to work. Then what we do is we just, we just put prayer in that category of like, you know what? You know the, 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 the fire thing in case of emergency only. That's when we use prayer. So before a test, we pull out that prayer. Before uh, bedtime, we just do the rudimentary, you know, please God, uh, keep me safe tonight. We do that generic over the food, the smorgasbord, please bless this food. We hear sirens behind us as we're driving. There's a lot of prayer going up there. But other than that, we just relegate prayer to this thing, this black hole. We don't really understand. And we don't really know what we're doing. And we kind of sound dumb when we're doing it. So you know what? Just leave it aside altogether. And we can make you, will, you not realize how creative you can be. 
until it comes to making excuses of why you don't pray. Because you know the power of prayer. You know what it can do. And you know it is freely available to anyone, yet we don't use it. And the reason why I think, which we are going to talk about here, the solution that we are going to focus on today and hopefully the coming weeks is we need a plan. Our problem is we don't have a plan for prayer. We have plans for every area of our lives except prayer. And I know who I'm talking to right here. Okay, me personally, those who know something about me, I like plans. I'm a high planner. Okay, you know in the Myers-Briggs, like the ISTJ thing, okay, I'm a high J. Like, I'm a high J, and I judge even low Js. Okay, so I don't even judge the non-Js. Like, non-Js, you're um, low Js, I judge them. And my wife is laughing the hardest of them all because she knows the truth, right? I like plans. You come to me with ideas, with dreams, with fluff, and I shoot every one of them down until I see it on paper. And I like plans because plans make ideas concrete. They make intentions. Everyone has good intentions. Intentions are great. Intentions never save the world. Plans. We need plans. I like plans. And I think that the majority of people in this room here today, being that you live in the D.C. metropolitan area, especially if you're local to Arlington, you probably got plans for every area of your life. You got plans for your career, where you want to be in a year, two years, five years, ten years. You got plans for where you want to be in marriage. You're single now. You'd like to be married by so-and-so, 2.5 kids, uh, picket fence, whatever it may be. <laughs> we plan out our whole lives. But somehow when it comes to prayer, that's when we become very spiritual, and we just leave it up to the Spirit to lead us. We plan our whole lives, but prayer, we, let, we just kind of leave that one be. And I'm saying that's one of the reasons why we don't find success in the area of prayer. Y'all will laugh if you want to know how me and plans, okay? I have plans. So before I became a priest, my wife always laughs at this. Before I became a priest, I had a system. Tell me I'm not alone right here. A system for getting dressed. They don't have a system for getting dressed because there is an optimal way to get dressed. And the optimal way to get dressed, in my opinion, okay, is that you keep your clothes in the hanging, okay? And the new clothes go here, and then they file their way here, and then they move their way back. So every morning, I never had to think about what I'm going to wear. I just took the first shirt, first set of pants, boom, done. And then to show you how God wanted to make it even easier for me, <laughs> all the same. People laugh at me. I got plans for when I get my hair cut. The Thursday closest to the 15th of the month is when I go visit the barbershop every single month. People laugh at me because I got planned for how I eat. And not planned because I'm healthy or anything like that, okay? But planned because I don't like to think. So I pretty much, I pretty much eat the same thing every single day. What I'll do is I'll kind of decide, this is what I want to eat for breakfast, this is my morning snack, this is my lunch, this is my afternoon snack, and that pretty much doesn't change. Because I find something I like, why change it? <laughs> and whatever Marianne makes for dinner, I'll eat that. that that's some variety there. But <laughs> My point is this. Like what I'm trying to show you is this. Is that when you have a plan, it removes the need to think every time you do something. I don't need to think about what I'm going to eat for breakfast tomorrow. I already know. I don't need to think about when I'm going to get my hair cut. I look at the 15th, find the closest Thursday, boom, that's when I get my hair cut. 
I need to be the same way with prayer. Maybe not to that anal degree that I am, but I need to have a plan when it comes to prayer. Not I wake up in the morning and say, how much do I want to pray today? When do I want to pray? Do I want to pray? What should I pray about? I don't need to think about that every single day because I know prayer is important. And because I know it is important, I need a plan on a piece of paper. And yes, there'll be times that I don't stick to the plan. The plan, I know something that some people talk about is like a rule. People talk about like, I talk about a prayer plan. Some people talk about a prayer rule. That's fine. There's like different schools of thought on this. I'm not a fan of rules. I'm a fan of plans. The difference between a rule and a plan, a rule becomes a boss over you, a lord over you. Okay? A plan becomes a tool for you to use. So what I'm trying to say is come up with a plan, but don't make the plan higher than reality because there's some days in reality where you won't be able to stick to the plan. That's okay. It's not a rule. There was a passage in, 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 in the New Testament where Jesus spoke about uh, the Sabbath, okay? And there was a, people had the rule of the Sabbath, the rule of the Sabbath, the rule of the Sabbath. And Jesus' disciples broke it. And then they flipped out. And Jesus said, no, relax. The rule wasn't made, the man wasn't made for the rule. The rule was made for the man. So when I talk about a prayer plan, understand me right. I'm not talking about uh, 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 something that cannot be broken. And, and, and it, I'm not talking about it like that. Think of the difference between a rule as a cage versus a plan as a tool. I'm not trying to give you a cage and say you have to spend 15 minutes in this cage every single day. I'm trying to give you a tool and say, hey, if you use this for a few minutes a day, man, you can knock some walls out. I'll give you another quote right here. A guy named S.D. Gordon wrote this. He said, the great people of the earth today are people who pray. I do not mean people. Listen to this one. I do not mean people who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor yet those who can explain about prayer. That's all of us. But I mean those people who take time and pray. They have not the time. It must be taken from something else. This something else is important. Very important, pressing, but still less important and less pressing than prayer. Your work is important. You have a plan. Your... Uh, your family is important, you have a plan. You want to send your kids to college, you have a plan of how you're going to do it. Well, let me ask you this question. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, do you have a plan? Are you flying by the seat of your pants? You just kind of go wherever the wind takes you. I'm telling you where the wind is going to take you is to not pray. Because prayer is hard. Prayer takes work. And if you fly by the seat of your pants, you will end up not ever praying. Believing about it, yes. Talking about it, yes. Singing songs, reading books, explaining to our kids about it, telling our coworkers they need to, yes. But never actually doing it until you come up with a plan. My hope for this series, my hope for this series is to do two things. Is to, number one, inspire you. Inspire you to a life of prayer. But then number two is to give you the tools you need to make it actually a reality. Because as much as we need to be inspired, we need to be equipped with tools to make it a reality. And that's where I'm telling you, number one, go watch the movie if you haven't seen it. The movie is fantastic. It will do a great job of inspiring you, as it did to me. Number two, we are doing this thing called life groups. And if you haven't signed up for a life group, I know it was technically last week was the last chance, but don't tell anyone, I'll give you one more chance. Life groups begin today. And what life groups are, as you heard in the announcements before, is a chance that we get together and discuss this stuff. Because in life group, we'll talk specific tools. 
that you need to make this a reality. And you will be given and equipped with tools through the life group because the life group also come with like a daily devotional component as well that allow you to practice this stuff, not just hear about it on Sunday, but practice on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. There's life groups taking place th beginning today. Still many, some of them are full, but some still have some spots. And you go back to that connection table in the back and you can find out more. But my point is to inspire you and equip you. And I want to say this one last thing before I get into what I'm talking about today. I'm going to share with you throughout this series my plan. But I want to reiterate over and over that my plan is simply my plan. And my plan may not work for you, but that's fine. You don't need my plan. You need a plan. And even for those who saw the movie, okay, she had a plan, and I have a derivative of her plan, and then you may have a derivative of my plan. Like, I'm not trying to get everyone to say, you have to do it the way I'm doing it. That, that's, not, that's not the point. There is room for variety. We're all different. Not everyone chooses their clothes and their breakfast weeks in advance like I do. That's fine. But you need a plan. And maybe me sharing my plan will help you to come up with your own plan. Okay? So what I want to do today, the time we have remaining, is I want to do three big ideas about your plan. And we're calling this a battle plan for prayer. Three ideas that your plan must incorporate these. Again, your plan, I'll share mine. Your plan doesn't need to be like mine, but it needs to make sure you address these three key areas. Okay? Number one. You need a plan to, number one, sorry. You need a plan to pray honestly. A plan that allows you to pray honestly. They say, hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Pray honestly. Like, what kind of dum-dum would lie in prayer? <laughs> like, you wouldn't lie to a judge. You wouldn't lie in Congress. Only a dum-dum would lie in front of the creator of the universe. We would never do that, right? We would never be dishonest. We would never stand in front of God and utter dishonest words, would we? Lord, let your will be done. And I accept it no matter what it is. You ever said those words? Lord, thank you for everything that you've given me. Even though there's some things I would like you to remove out of my life. Thank you. How about this one? Lord, Please bless my boss. <laughs> my favorite. Lord, I surrender this entirely to you. But make sure you do this and this and this and this and this. <laughs> Forgive me. We lie all the time in prayer. We lie all the time in prayer. You know why we lie? I don't know. It, it's just like the movie clip that we just saw a minute ago. Something happens. We are all normal people. We all talk with normal voices. We have normal facial expressions. You say prayer. <laughs> the voice, the pitch goes up a few notches. I don't know why. Somehow it's more spiritual to pray in a high pitch. Some people, I've been praying with some people. I finished the prayer. I'm like, did you have a British accent before that prayer? <laughs> we have this idea of what a good prayer sounds like and looks like. And somehow, we're totally normal here. We get into this prayer bucket and this prayer box, and all of a sudden, things, and we feel like we have to change and say something that's fake and not really ourselves. Thank you very much. That comes because we think there is a right way and a wrong way to pray. And I'm telling you, is there a right way to pray? Well, maybe not. Is there a wrong way to pray? Yes. You want to know what the wrong way is? Anything that's insincere. 
Anything that's insincere is the wrong way to pray. No matter how beautiful it sounds, no matter what lyrics you're quoting, okay, no matter what you say, you can recite the Bible front to back. If it is insincere, it's a wrong prayer. And you could have, forgive me, the dumbest sounding prayer in the world that a two-year-old would laugh at you in Sunday school. And if it's sincere from your heart, it is the right kind of prayer. Because God only cares about honesty and sincerity. And it's not just God, is it? This, is, this, is, this makes sense to us. I'm a father. I have two children. I come home after not seeing them for a while. What do I want my kids to say to me? Imagine the children are there playing, and they're laughing, and they're joking, and they're doing all kinds of stuff, and then dad walks in, and the kids, we greet thee, O thou, who providest bounty for our supper table and the smorgasbord which we will participate in. Would any dad want that? Even the worst dad would not want that. What does a dad want? I walk in the house, what do I want my kids to do? I don't want them to stop what they're doing. I want to join them what they're doing. I want them to invite me into what they're doing. And I want, if they're playing, I want to play with them. And if they're joking, I want to hear the joke. And if they're happy, I want to hear the happy. And if they're fighting, I want to jump in there and separate them. Like, I want to be part of their life. I don't want them to leave their life to come speak to me for two minutes and then go back to their life. That's how we treat God. Here's our life. I'm, 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 I'm so happy about this promotion. I don't know if I'm about to, I was supposed to pray for that. So let me just come here, recite some whatever bogus prayer, and then go back to celebrate my, my promotion afterwards. Or I'm upset, and I'm angry, and I'm frustrated because God doesn't seem to be answering my prayer. But then you know what? Put on a happy face, and we thank thee, and we, we say insincere words all the time. I'm saying we need to have a plan to pray sincerely, simply, honestly. If you're happy, tell them you're happy. If you're upset, tell them you're upset. Whatever it is that's inside you, God wants to be part of it. He didn't want to be separate from it. Look at this. When Jesus spoke about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, okay, our theme verse for this series is Matthew 6, 6. All right, but I'm leaving that aside. The theme verse about when you pray, go into your room. But the verse before it and the verse after, verse 5 and 7 is what I'm showing you right here. Jesus tells us to pray, and then in the verse before and after, he tells us how to pray. And tells us specifically two things not to do. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Two things Jesus said not to do. What are the two things? He said, number one, don't pray in a showy way. Don't stand in front of people and don't stand there that they may be seen by men. Don't, don't take what Jesus is, is saying here in a specific way. Say, okay, well, I don't pray on the street. Therefore, I'm not doing, no. What he's trying to say is in a showy kind of a way, in an outward kind of a way. And the second thing he says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetition. He doesn't say don't use repetition. He says, don't use vain repetition. What's the difference between repetition and vain repetition? We stand up and say the Lord's Prayer. Is that repetition or vain repetition? Well, it's up to you. That's up to you whether it's vain or not vain. You decide that. I don't decide that. I decide that for myself. You stand up and say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You decide if that's vain or not vain. You say, thy kingdom come, Lord, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You decide if that's repetition or vain repetition. I don't decide that. 
Some people come and say, y'all here in the Orthodox Church, you just recite your prayers and your vain repetition. I say, I'm not saying it in vain. If you're saying it in vain, you check yourself, man. <laughs> Jesus said here, I don't need long prayers. I don't need showy prayers. I need simple prayers. And as a personal, just a personal request right here, I'll tell you where I feel this most before we eat. Okay, before we eat, we don't need long prayers. <laughs> we all hungry. We don't need showy. We don't need you to recite any Bible verse you've ever heard. And, you know, you, know, you ever had that time where you're at, at the dinner table and everyone's starving and somehow the person that is praying is like, you know, like the disciple of Moses, okay? And he's like, you know, as thou claimest in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 10, just bless the food. <laughs> we don't need long prayers, all right? We need sincere prayers. Look at this verse right here. Show you, can I pray any emotion I'm feeling? Look at King David, a man whose heart was like God's heart. And King David said this in Psalm 13. He said, how, listen to this prayer. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel of my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? That doesn't sound like a prayer. That sounds like the stuff we post on Facebook when we're upset at God, doesn't it? That sounds like the stuff we say when we complain about God. But that's a prayer. You know why that's a prayer? Because it's sincere. Because it's honest. And it's how he felt. And I always, always, always say, and parents, you agree with me. If my child is upset with me and he comes and talks to me, I would rather him talk to me than go outside and talk about me. And many of us, we are upset with God and we talk about him, not to him. And that's not what I want for my kids. If my kid's upset, I want him to say, Dad, I'm upset. I feel like you jip me. You give more to big brother than you give to me. Come talk to me. God is the same way. There's a quote on your handout from C.S. Lewis. I love what he says. He says, we must lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. That's a beautiful way to pray. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. A plan to pray honestly. Number two, I need a plan to pray regularly. I need a plan to pray consistently. Follow me on this one, because this idea may, it has the potential to transform your prayer life if you get me, because it really helped me out in, in, in a particular way. There's a man, I spoke about this man before a couple years ago, a man, sorry, I think we died again, there, named Smith Wigglesworth. Anyone heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He's got a cool name, okay? Smith Wigglesworth, y'all can Google him when you go home to test me on this one, if what I'm saying is true or not true. Smith Wigglesworth, who sounds like a cartoon made-up name, was uh, an evangelist over in Great Britain back in the 1900s. And here's how he prayed. He said at the end of his life that he never prayed for more than 20 minutes at a time. You say, okay, I, I, can, I can do that, okay? Never prayed more than 20 minutes at a time. But he never went more than 20 minutes without praying. Yeah, exactly. Doing the math, is that more? That's more, okay? That's more than you pray. Even if it's just one minute, every 20 minutes, that's more. But you know what I read about this Smith Wigglesworth guy? You know what it made me realize? We usually focus on praying long. If I say pray more, you think longer. And I want to change longer to more frequent. I don't want you to pray longer prayers because I want to keep it simple. 
but I want you to pray more frequent, simple prayers. So instead of one long period of prayer, which none of us can do, and which just scares us away, keep it short, keep it simple, but do more of it. One of the things that, again, I'm sharing my way, just my way, no one's saying, one of the things that I, I, I try to do to, to ingrain this in my mind, I honestly believe the first hour of your day is more important than the rest of the 23. That's me. If I, I've shared this before, if I can win at the first hour of my day, especially the first two hours, if I win, if I get through the first two hours and I say, that was perfect, that was exactly what I wanted, the rest of the day is a piece of cake, trust me. If I can win. So I try to really beat that in my head. First thing I do, get up, hit that alarm clock, okay, and usually you hit it and you start cursing at it, okay, but instead of cursing at the alarm clock, I wake up before I make it to the bathroom. I have a cross right there. Like, I might get up from my bed and I have a cross right there. I make a prostration in front of that cross. I look at Jesus on the cross, you know what I mean? Like the, you know, and I make a prostration. I bow it. And I say, holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, who is crucified for us, have mercy on us. That's just, like, that's my basic bread and butter. And then I may add on that, please, Jesus, like, bless my day. I may say, you know what? Like, Jesus, help me to serve you today. Please help me resist whatever temptation. Like, whatever. I'll just say something. I'll just use that as an opportunity to lift my heart to God. Go to the bathroom, brush the teeth, take care of all that business over there, and then I try to get into my, my quiet time. And for me, the most important part of my quiet time, most important part, I told you all this before, is that I need to go from the bathroom into my new prayer room and not pass by this. The hardest part of the day is <laughs> that's the hardest part of the day because this is screaming out hey and i'm a priest so it could be important urgent someone could be sick someone could be dying someone could need prayer this could tell you what to do in there but i gotta get by this and once i get by this and i get in there then again i lift my heart to god and that's where i started writing down some prayers and i'm gonna share some of my written prayers with you but i started writing down prayers before i've even started praying just writing down stuff whatever's in my heart Whatever it is that's on my mind. And I just start writing because I find that when I write, it really helps me clarify what's in my head. And then the other advantage of when I write my prayers, I'm going to share these in a little bit with you, is I put my prayers on cards like this. You know what I can do with my prayers on my card? Okay, the advantage of this uniform is pockets. Okay, this is like if, this is the best uniform if you need to carry stuff. Like I can smuggle like what, I can, one time I smuggled like chicken uh, drumsticks into a movie theater. Like you can smuggle anything you want in this thing. Okay. <laughs> This right here sticks right there. So then you know what? I'm pumping gas. And I'm just sitting there. What do most people do when they're pumping gas? They pull out this thing for the 10,000th time a day. As if anyone else, did anyone else like this new picture of my breakfast cereal? <laughs> you know what I pull out? I pull out this. And I say my prayer. And you know what? I didn't pray for 20 minutes. But you know what? Maybe more frequent. And then you know what? When I'm sitting there and I'm about to approach you know, this meeting at night that has kind of been stressing me and I prayed about in the morning, I may pull out that prayer again. And I may just lift my heart and say, God, give me wisdom. See what I'm saying? Short, simple, but more consistent. We need a system to allow you to pray more consistently, not necessarily for longer periods. A couple of verses. Sorry, click there. A little help there. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. The verse that says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. All I want to say about this is usually we think of pray without ceasing in terms of length. I want to change it in your mind not to length of prayer, but frequency of short prayers. Next verse. Okay, uh, click from Psalm 5. 
to show you how prayer can look like. King David says this in Psalm 5. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. You know what part I liked about this? He said, consider my sighing. Did you know that sometimes you can pray without even words? Can a sigh be a prayer? A sigh. A, can it be a prayer? Well, for David, it was. You know why? Because prayer is not, is not a, a wish list for Santa Claus. Or, or like I said, reciting in front of the king. Prayer is communicating with your father. Can you communicate with a sigh? Let's say we get home today. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm sitting on the couch watching football. Marianne's out all day. She does her Costco run and then takes the kid to the soccer and does all this stuff. And she comes in with bags all over the place and boxes. And she just sits down on the couch and goes, ah. Does that sigh communicate something? Yes, it does. Let's say... I then say to her, Marianne, what's for dinner? And she goes, hmm. Does that side communicate something? In my house, it sure does. Yeah, the whole point of prayer is not what we say, but it's just communicating with God sincerely, right? That's, that's, that's the pray consistently. We need to pray honestly, pray consistently. And then the third one, and the one that has the most potential based on this movie to transform your life is pray strategically. And that's what we're going to focus on for the next few weeks. The rest of this series is to pray strategically. And what do I mean when I say pray strategically? I'm going to run through some verses right now pretty quick. But what I want you to see from these verses is how people who went before us, people who was in the scriptures, how they prayed not just Please, God, bless me. Please, God, be with me. Please, God, help the skins win. They prayed strategic prayers. Watch how they prayed. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Meanwhile, St. Paul is saying, Meanwhile, praying for us also, that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He doesn't say, Please, God, be with me today at church. Please, God, let me give a good sermon. What he's saying is God, or he's telling the people to pray to God, that there's these people, and they need to hear the word of God, but I don't know how to get in there. I can't infiltrate them. So pray that a door would open. And once I get in there, that I can speak the mystery of Christ, strategic prayers. Next verse, St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he's speaking to a group of believers, okay, his disciples, and he's saying how he prays for them. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Most of us would say, that's how we pray for others. Thank you, God, for my wife and my kids. Please bless them. But look how St. Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Do you see the difference between his prayers and our prayers? God bless them. God be with them. God help them be happy. First, look what he's saying. Give them a spirit of wisdom. Spirit of revelation. Man, open their eyes, their eyes be enlightened to mysteries that they know the rich inheritance awaiting for them. Man, that's how I, that's how I want you to pray for me. Don't say, bless Father Anthony. I, and anyone can say, bless Father Anthony. I want, I want you to pray like that for me. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. St. Peter says, May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Not saying, God, please end their pain. That's how we pray. This person has pain. God, end their pain as quickly as possible because it hurts. You know what he says? 
He says, I know you got pain, but I'm praying that pain would perfect you, establish you, settle you. See how they had strategic prayers. Let me ask you this question, and I want to make you think on this. Think of an area in your life that needs prayer. Marriage is an easy one. Your future, your spirit, like any area. I don't care, whatever area. Think of an area that needs prayer. Where do you want that? If God today, today said, you know what? Like first Sunday of the football year, skins win somehow magically, all prayers get a yes. Let's say God says that. If the skins win today, all prayers get a yes. Anything that you have prayed over the past seven days will get a yes. Would your life be any different today? My fear is for a lot of us, you look at our prayers for the last seven days for any area of our life that we say is important to us, it would just mean God would bless us, which FYI, newsflash, he's already doing. That God would be with us, which again, be with us, God. Okay, <laughs> I am. Like before you asked, I was. And if God answered all of our prayers, they're so, so strategic and so big vision and big thinking that the result would be that God would be with us as he already is. Congratulations. If today God said yes to all your prayers, would your life be any different? Here's what I want you to do, because you already do this in every area except prayer. I want you to think where you want to be five years from now. Five years. Don't, not tomorrow, not the next day, five years. You're married. Where do you want your marriage to be in five years? Ten years, what do you want it to be? You're single. Where do you expect your future to go relationally? Either with the guy that you're dating or no one's in the picture. Where do you want your future to go? Your career, your personal growth. Where do you want to look like in 10 years? And write it down and start praying for it. Your parents, you got kids. You know, one of the things that I do, I pray for my kids in their marriage. They're eight and 10. But I know I want them to be a certain place. So please, God, from now, prepare her to be a wife that honors you. Prepare him to be a husband that leads his wife in a way that pleases you. I'm praying those, like, I'm praying those things now so that when they get there, that God will have done that work. Where are you strategically praying for your marriage, your future, like whatever area? When it comes to this church, this church is a gift of God. And, and I'm biased, okay? I'm not saying anything about your church, but this church is better. I'm biased, okay? I'm biased. And I'm not saying your church is bad. Your church is great. This is the best church in the whole wide world. Not because of me, but because of God. This is the best church. You think that this church is what it is today because people just pray, please God bless the church? Like you think we got here by God bless this church? God be in the church, which you already are. You are the church. Let me share with you. I got just three, okay? And these cards I wrote last week. I didn't write them for today. Just what what I've been praying for the past week. I, I write these cards, and then when I feel like I want to get rid of write a new card, I do, okay? Let me read to you what I pray for this church. What I pray. Uh, here. 
Dear God, you are the true head, shepherd, and priest of this church. Help your servant, meaning me, help your servant to always be in tune with you and understand your will for this church. Let not our church be guided by my thoughts or my ideas or by the influence of any man. Let it be your will, your plan, your purpose that guide us always. And protect your house from all evil, from the spirit of envy and gossip especially. I always think those are the two things that kill any church, envy and gossip. I always pray this will be a house, no envy, no gossip, okay? Protect your house from all evil, from the spirit of envy and gossip especially, that she may be pleasing to you always and fulfill her great purpose for which she was established. That's a strategic prayer. What I pray for every Sunday. Dear Lord, I pray that whenever we gather as a church, that we would feel your presence amongst us in a powerful way. Raise us from the deadness of routine prayer and lift us into the highest. Man, these are beautiful words. I don't know who wrote them. <laughs> Speak through me and through all of your servants, through our words and our deeds. Let your people find rest in your house and let the nation see your glory as well. I couldn't, I couldn't make this stuff up. This is God. And then what I also read in, in connection with that one is I read a passage from Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, where it says, when the day of Pentecost, because I always think like anytime we gather as a church should be Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's what I pray. I don't just pray God bless us. I don't pray God be with us. I pray, God, there's this thing called gossip. Keep it away from our house because it is destructive and it will destroy a church faster than anything else in the world is gossips and clicks. That's the way you kill a church. Churches don't get killed by priests. Churches don't get killed by finances. Churches get killed by gossip. I say, God, make us a house of prayer. Let us not be just routine when we come together and we gather together. I'm not saying I'm going to knock on each one of you and say, pray now, pray now, pray now, because I can't do that and that's not effective. I'm going to say, God, Fill this place with your presence so that people walk in and they feel something and they know you're here and get rid of this spirit of routine prayer. That's how I want you to pray for whatever it is you want to pray about. You know why this is so important? Principle of life. Sorry, next one. Sorry, next one. Here. Principle of life is that we move towards where we look. We move towards where we look. What I mean by that is if you're driving down 66 today and you see something on the right and you start staring at that right, what's going to happen to the car? Naturally, the car is going to start to pull to the right. So what I'm telling you right now is I want you to set, to throw a dart, to set a pin, to say, this is where I want my marriage to be. And this is what it is right now. And it's a mess. It's a disaster. But God, that's what I want it to be. And I promise you, just setting that goal, writing it on a piece of paper and putting it before God day by day, what's going to happen is naturally you're going to start to inch your way towards it without even realizing that you do anything. I can't tell you how many times we see that in this church. We get together, we have a vision retreat, set the goals for the year. We do nothing about them. But when all of us together say, this is what we want to accomplish, and this is where we want the church to go, and this is where we think the church needs to go, and we just put it in front of us. I'm telling you, by the end of the year, we look back and say, oh no, we never did anything about it. But you know what? We found ourselves there. Because we move towards where our eyes look. Anyone who's ever played any sport in life knows this principle, that your eyes are more important than anything else. Where your eyes are, that's where your hands are going to go and where the rest of your life is. So here's the question I want to leave you with. Here's the question I'm leaving you with. Where are you driving in life? What are you aiming for? 
would anyone be so foolish as to say, I'm in a car, I'm driving east because I want to end up at some beach someday. And I know there's water to the east, so I'm just going to drive east. I'd be a foolish person. And I'm saying, prayer, same thing. Many of us are praying just to be better. That God would just be with us more. And I'm saying doing that is the same thing as saying, I want to end up at the beach, so I'm just going to drive east until I hit water. And wherever I am, I am. Set a goal. Have a strategy. Have a plan. And what you have to gain, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, says this. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Highlight this part, circle it, underline it, memorize it. Which you do not know. There's an expression in football, in all sports. It's called leaving points on the field. You ever heard that expression? Leaving points on the field. Pittsburgh Steelers the other night, when they were playing against the Patriots, they kept driving the ball, driving the ball, driving the ball, but somehow they couldn't score at the end. They drive, 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 get to the end, and they didn't score. They get the ball back, drive, drive, drive to the end, and didn't score. By halftime, I think they had three points, but they left a lot of points on the field because they were driving and, or in baseball. When they keep getting hits, get a guy in first base, second base, third base, and then they leave him on there, and they don't get him in. Leaving points on the field is the worst feeling in the world. Well, I want to say that when we don't pray, we rob ourselves of, of God's help and we leave prayers answered on the field. We leave it on the field. And what God says to here, says to us here, call to me and I'll show you stuff that you didn't know was possible. And I'll answer you in ways that you didn't even realize. But you must pray honestly. You must pray consistently. And you must pray strategically. And I will show you what I will do in your life. Prayer is a powerful weapon, a powerful weapon. But you need a plan to unleash that power in your life. And that's the point of this series. All right? Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God, amen. We thank you, Lord, that you are always with us, that you hear our prayers and that you promise to do great and mighty things in our lives. I pray, Lord, that during this series that you would teach us how to pray to you honestly, regularly, and strategically, that you may work and you may transform marriages and futures and, 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 and you may work a, a mighty work in our lives, in our communities, in our nation as a whole. We pray, Lord, that we wouldn't end this series still asking how we should pray or what we should do, but you'd help us, Lord, to come up with a plan that honors you. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.